0: Da Vinci's Diplomas! We look into our drunken crystal ball to predict 2021. And everything you need to know about non-alcoholic beer,
1: yeah you heard that right. We're not messing with you. This was
0: It's All Beer? <laughs> Welcome to It's All Beer, the first episode of 2021. I am pleased to uh, be here and announce our new format for the show. Um, actually, me and Tyler are going to start talking about world news and uh, and uh, national news in general. Uh, give me one second. Let's uh, look outside. Let's see what's going on right now. Politics, rabble, rabble, rabble. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Wow. Hmm. You know what? Let's just stick with the beer right now. I'm Jeremy Jones. Oh yes, that was
1: the best one you've ever done.
0: And I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed that. That actually took a little bit more prep than I'm usually capable of. <laughs> uh, the world is horrible. Let's just drink beer. How are you t- Tyler happy 2021. How are you today, sir? I am excellent,
1: man. Happy 2021 to you as well. How has your year
0: started? Uh, I mean, it, I entered it uh, hungover and pissed off like is traditional. Um, and I have been taking it a little bit easy since uh, uh, since then, which is a perfect segue into, uh, Tyler, what are we drinking today? So, uh, from the headlines you get, yeah. Uh, There's a reason
1: we're drinking the beer because of one of the headlines we teased. We're drinking, to start off, don't worry, guys, we will have actual beer. Uh, We started off with Lagunitas' new IPNA. It's their non-alcoholic IPA. For those of you doing dry January, first of all, why would you? But second of all, if you did think
0: you needed to curb your drinking a little, this is actually an excellent choice Um, as I was it's it's funny because as I was catching up on all my beer Twitter also if you leave my beer Twitter alone for a month it tends to get unmanageable Um, like his pubes (laughs) uh, that's why I shaved those Um, but I did like one comment where uh, somebody I forget who said it but he said uh, how has dry January become the kids in bars of 2021 Dry January has become this weird dividing line because if you choose to do dry January, sir, you are abandoning breweries in their time of need. Get out there, do the patriotic thing, and drink yourself silly. And tip your bartenders. And tip your dar- bartenders, yes. But actually, but uh, but uh, uh, on that note, yes, we are uh, starting off with, the, uh, with a, a non-alcoholic IPA, and I have got to say, I mean, kind of like hop water... Um, which which we have talked about. This is not bad. It is it's
1: Loganitas a... knocked this out of the park. Instead Honestly, of... I would just think I was drinking a low ABV
0: pale ale. I mean, again, it is it is better than most session IPAs I've had. It it's is better, better than, than like ninety-five so... percent of session IPAs I've had. It's better than a lot of IPAs I've had. Um it's got a really nice bright citrusy aroma um i mean obviously the flavor is it's lacking that malt background i mean you get a sense you know right off the bat that you're missing something but you obviously know what you're missing um honestly i feel it's more fuller
1: body than some of those low carb low cal ipas that have came out because they want that mouthfeel, but don't necessarily want that sugar converted to alcohol. So are creating a more thicker where the alcohol is going to thin it out a little.
0: Correct. I mean, it's for what it is, it's a really enjoyable, satisfying beer. And again, if I, I could almost do dry January. If I had this
1: to drink readily (laughs) available.
0: (laughs) Um, it's, I, I, and actually, leading up to this coming out um, at the bottle shop where I work, I've gotten quite a lot of calls asking about craft uh, non-alcoholic, and it hasn't really been a thing. You could tell it was coming, but it hasn't been a thing yet. Lagunitas is leading away, and I got to say, anybody else trying to do this, you got your work cut out for you because this is this is very good. Mm-hmm. And. One of the articles we're
1: going to talk about today is going to kind of explain the whole science behind non-alcoholic, so that'll be fun to get into. But there is also uh, Sawtooth Brewing, got a Ketchum, uh, just released their whole non-alcoholic line as well, called Ethos. So that that's something I kind of want to check out just to see kind of how it stacks up against Lagunitas.
0: I haven't had that. Um, their uh, their local rep, uh, Stacy, was nice enough to bring me their new seltzer line. Um, yeah, and you know, for hop for for seltzers, they do a hop seltzer, which is okay, and then a mango or papaya seltzer, which is, you know, what it tasted a lot like belching beavers without the awful aroma. Re- do you remember when you brought me that? <laughs> And I smelled yes. it. I'm like, wow, this smells like dirty laundry. Um, but it yes. tastes okay. Uh, Sawtooth's saw uh, uh, version of that seltzer, it had the same nice fruity flavor without the aroma of dirty laundry, which I did appreciate. Fair enough. Wow. Declan also uh, agrees. Alright, Tyler, uh, we've got a shit ton of news to get through. We've been off for a month. Uh, Where shall we start as if we didn't know? (laughs) Well, we're sticking with the dry January
1: theme. So, uh, found an article by Popular Mechanics uh, that kind of broke down the science of making alcohol free beer. Which, when you stop and think, you're like, oh, it should be easy to make
0: beer that has no alcohol, but you you would think, but I mean, (coughs) until you realize that the entire point of the process is to make alcohol. Yep. So, uh,
1: the article talks a little bit about non-alcoholic beer, how it dates back to prohibition, um, and how it's kind of gaining traction now due to consumer habits changing, uh, Brewers tinkering with the process to try to make it. And apparently between this past July and September, NA beer sales were about, were up about 38% in the U S compared to 20, the same time of 2019.
0: Which is, I mean, if you've been watching craft beer um, at all over the last, I would say five years, this this where we're ending up is not terribly surprising because I feel like there's a the I guess what I want to say is the 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 core audience of craft beer is getting to a certain age and at that age. And I feel like I'm right smack dab in the middle pushing 40 um, when you go to your doctor and they ask you how many drinks you have in a week and you pull out your calculator. It's not. Or you say more than you, they don't (laughs) find it near as funny. (laughs) It's not a good look. And so, I mean, the trend has been... I mean, there was like this high point, I want to say 2014, 2015, where, you know, Imperial IPAs and big badass Imperial Stouts were all the rage. And they still kind of are, but there was this point where they reached the peak and it kind of tapered off downward and almost... You know, especially in the industry, I, f- I see that alcohol being almost a inconvenient side effect of the the beer you want to drink. Hundred percent. I know.
1: Uh, working in the industry, especially when you're at an event or when you're making a route selling to multiple bars, and you're sitting there chatting, and you want to have something carbonated, you want to have something like a beer. And you order a beer here, you order a beer there. By the next
0: couple stops, you're like, I need to either slow down or I'm not driving home. I mean, there gets to be a point where, I mean, you realize pretty quickly that you can have six beers in a a couple of hours. And that's not great. That's not great. Yeah. So. uh, Especially like a downtown run where you're like going from like every one of your stops is like next door to each other. And I feel yep. like you can rack up the pints pretty fucking quick on that. Room. Yep. Especially if you're running into other reps and you're sitting there talking,
1: having a good time. All of a sudden you're like, I'm three beers down and I still have six
0: more stops to hit today. It's all business and craft beer. Let me just go ahead and state that for a fact. <laughs> but so like, I mean, even last year we kind
1: of talked about the core's edge Heineken making a 0.0, Budweiser's new 0.0, Lagunitas hop water. There was starting to be a growing section of non-alcoholic options. The Food and Drug Administration classifies a non-alcoholic beer as 0.5% alcohol by volume or less. So to make one, uh, producers would typically brew a beer as they normally would and then remove the alcohol using tricky and expensive techniques. Uh, this article talks about how brewers are finding different ways to do this without yielding any alcohol uh, or and finding ways to create true 0.0% ABV beer. Uh, which is a game changer if you're having to work a beer event where you're standing around for eight hours and you want to be drinking something because everyone around you is drinking something and that is the social thing to do, but you still have to work.
0: And I guess, I mean, even I mean, from, it it sounds strange, but from my perspective, it would be, it's it's nice to have an option because I almost reflexively go for a beer, you know, it's, you you come home, Mm -hmm. you almost reflexively do it. Um, almost mindlessly and it's almost nice to have that option like well here's something that has that same effect um but not necessarily the you know the 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 alcohol to go with it yeah and i think the biggest part for the craft beer na
1: is you want it to have a similar taste that absolutely yes because i remember when we Chugged those fucking core's edges. They were just tasted like water. Or if you, if you ever had an O'Doul's, your non-alcoholic options were terrible. Um, But they actually talked to uh, the one of the co-founders of a Minneapolis-based non-alcoholic brewery where they only produce non-alcoholic beer. It's called Hairless Dog Brewing Company. I love that name. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So they talked and both the owners had previously given up alcohol before they started it. And they started to think and they're like, you know, really wish someone would come up with something with us in mind. uh, Instead of the pity product at the end of the line. Oh, yeah, we also have this non-alcoholic option.
0: I think you hit the nail right on the head there that I mean where 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 the the uh um the change in thinking is is because you're right non alcoholic beer was kind of produced for that sad person who you know I want beer, I need beer, but I can't drink anymore the mm-hmm. afterthought you're like. Oh, you can't handle your beer? Okay, let the let the fucking pussy have the non alcoholic old duels, and let the rest of us uh, uh, drink like proper people. But I mean, you're, you're but you're right. It's there is a a a push to have a non alcoholic option that still tastes like beer and still tastes like good craft beer. By the way, yes. Uh, the article goes
1: on to talk about how they have and. This part of the article bugged me. An ale, a lager, an IPA and a
0: coffee stout. <laughs> okay, that does bug me. <laughs> that does irritate me too. What
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm assuming you mean an amber
0: ale. An
1: ale, an IPA is an ale, so is a coffee stout. Get your shit together. I, it's a it's a mechanics website, so I I get
0: I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in to a, to, to a tap room where I've been working and say, well, I don't like ales, do you have any IPAs? So the article then gets
1: into talking about how creating quality non-alcoholic beer isn't easy. The three most co- common production methods include vacuum distillation, reverse osmosis, and arrested fermentation. Um, so gonna run down a little bit on each, kind of talk about some pros and cons. And go from there. So right. during va- vacuum distillation, the beer is heated so the alcohol evaporates out. The vacuum chamber lowers the boiling point from around 173 to as <laughs> low as 93 degrees Fahrenheit. Makes this sense. helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes this, sense. This helps preserve the aromatics and flavors, uh, which is a perk for that. Um, the reverse osmosis system kind of works like a kidney dialysis machine does it's they take the fermented beer uh, that has alcohol in it they push it through a membrane filter with microscopic pores and the alcohol molecules and water are separated out water is then added back in to get the same consistency Um, and then with a rusted fermentation as you could assume they start fermenting that beer like they would normally but they th- remove the yeast or stop it from becoming active uh to prevent it from creating high levels of alcohol usually done by cooling down the beer so the yeast moves super slow uh, but like we said these do have drawbacks uh the vacuum distillation and reverse osmosis machine can cost as much as up to three million dollars for the machine.
0: Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know many not uh,
0: many small breweries that can afford to fork over three mil. I. No zero, and also, I mean, that just seems like such a huge investment. For I mean, like we said, we've just kind of we've we've acknowledged that the that the product is getting a bit of a boost, but up until this point, that's a lot of money for a product that people only grudgingly and in secret want. Yes,
1: uh, and then also with vacuum distillation and the reverse osmosis, it can strip the flavor right. from the beer. And so it's going to taste watery or not as full body, uh, whereas a rusted fermentation doesn't allow for the flavor to fully develop and you to really get those rich notes coming through to get all the flavor
0: coming in that the brewer was intending. I imagine also usually uh, uh, way too sweet. I mean, you probably use less grain in the process, but I mean, if you're, you're essentially purposely under attenuating a beer. Yeah. Um, And there are some different
1: techniques. Hairless dog talks about how they use the standard brewing process with a couple major differences in terms of how things are set up, how they treat ingredients, uh, where it helps them develop that full flavor but not the upfront cost of all the machines. They refuse to disclose how they do it, which I get—trade secret. If you've got a situation that works for you, you don't want to give that
0: give away the farm. There. Fair enough, I suppose. Um, now, the, I mean, my question—and maybe does it say it? How does Loganitas do this?
1: So I was reading on the bottle
0: uh, that I just dropped on the ground. Um, <laughs> How is that N.A. beer doing for you? Did you put a (laughs) shot of whiskey in? (laughs) I
1: wish. Uh, So here's what the label says. You're holding a confounding creation that uses the same ingredients found in our highly balanced IPAs, hops, malt, yeast, and water, and thus the same deliciousness, but brewed without the ceremonial fez and ancient incantations that normally take take it over the edge life is uncertain, don't sip, and then the phone number for the brewery.
0: So they're not telling either. So we're left, I mean, I I feel like that at least Lagunitas is doing something different, or or at least a combination of different um, techniques or something, because, I mean, if anything, maybe the the vacuum uh, process could leave a little bit uh, more of the flavor, but there's something different here.
1: Yeah, I almost wonder if Loganitas is doing a similar situation to Hairless Dog is doing or something like that where it's not necessarily any of those three, but it's a process because the
0: co-founder of Hairless Dog said, when it leaves the brew kettle, it is a finished product, basically. You, We, we are left with uh, uh, three possibilities and yet a mystery. <laughs> So if you are participating
1: in Dry January, just know there's a few more options out there for you and you understand a little bit of the struggle for breweries producing non-alcoholic
0: beer. Think of the breweries when you're doing Dry January, you selfish pricks. If you're doing it, at least buy non-alcoholic beer from craft
1: breweries. So Jeremy, let's do the follow up on the story. since.
0: Natural Light never sent you the stuff for your diploma. You've got an update. I do. Um. Uh. This come back. This comes actually from Forbes, and uh, I was so incredibly happy to see this. Um. We did this story. This was one of Tyler's. Tyler has a penchant for um. Doing. Doing. Uh. A, uh. A, a, you will see and i'm sure know by now because you surely listen to all of our podcasts uh tyler likes to talk about promotions done by shitty beer brands um because they're always the most creative <laughs> and if they can in- include dogs even better in fact a shitty beer with a dog is the best promotion ever um however it's this- my tonight, man <laughs> this is not this was not that way back in episode thirty one uh Tyler brought a story to us um that uh natty uh, uh natty light was offering uh people a hundred dollars uh if you would send them your diploma um The idea was they are they were doing a they, it was part of their uh, uh uh campaign to bring awareness uh to the crippling effects of student debt and you know Natty Natty Light being the unofficial beer of bad decisions in college uh, finds himself in unique position to uh, uh, bring people's attention. Uh, Tyler brought They're the this... foremost experts. <laughs> Tyler uh, uh, brought this story up, and I did contact them to see if they wanted my diploma, uh, because I do indeed have a useless fuck diploma uh, hanging. Just... Not even they wanted to pay Jeremy for his worthless <laughs> paper, mostly because I was late. Because I do not keep abreast of natty ice. I still have that much respect for myself, but. I have to say, um, what came out this week is Chef's Kiss Amazing. Let's, full disclosure, um, Natty Light is owned by Anheuser-Busch, uh, AB InBev. And Who so, we shit on all and, the time. <laughs> and I am biased. Again, look at our past episodes, see how much I piss and moan about AB InBev. But this is... V- one of the most awesome things I ever seen. Um, uh, uh, you have to, to, to truly appreciate it. I actually put the picture up on our Instagram already. Um, what they were doing with all these diplomas was, uh, creating, uh, what they called the most expensive piece of art in a world. Like I said, this comes out, this comes out of Fords. Um, they create, they basically made this whirlwind of these diplomas. Um, and, um, the the combined cost to, uh for the diplomas as in the cost to uh, uh for the students uh, having got these diplomas uh was 470 million dollars uh 20 million dollars more than the most expensive work of art ever sold at auction which would be uh Leonardo da Vinci's uh Salvador Mundi um they were uh, the, the 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 idea was they're trying to bring um you know, like I said, they're trying to bring attention uh, to this cause, and they looked at um, fine art um, as a way to illustrate just how like uh, enormous and ridiculous some of these costs uh, can be. Uh, they actually uh, this you can find this in Grand Central Station, uh, Grand Central Station terminals Vanderbilt Hall. Uh, it's twenty six hundred diplomas. Um, it is accounting for, like I said, uh, several million dollars of uh, student debt to represent uh, $1.7 trillion of student debt that is currently out. Um, it is part of their 10 year plan to, again, not only uh, draw attention to it, but to help um, uh, 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 people saddled with student debt. Their timing was bad, we have to admit, because um, when this came out, you know, again, way back in, this was February, March, if I remember correctly. It was before my New Orleans trip, so... Right. So, COVID was kind of a thing. But not really. <laughs> so, if you want to see see this and can't make it down to Grand Central Station for any number of reasons, um, the, uh, the... Actually, the, uh, the display, um, they partnered with Snap to, uh, uh, to make it viewable on augmented reality. Oh, that's cool. So, um, uh, it's available through the Natty Light website, um, and you can see just again. It's it's hard to describe, you know, how cool this thing looks. You just have to go see it. Um, but I mean, again, they chose fine art just as just to i mean uh, it, alongside some of the more ridiculous things uh, uh that have been purchased um you know uh, the article informs uh mentions uh tracy emmons uh canonical work my bed um a work that was sold for over two million dollars where the artist displayed and later sold her actual bed um that she was in after a depressive episode um a a, a duct taped a banana from uh, Merzurio Catalan. I don't know if that's even how you pronounce that. But that's how I'm going to go with it. Uh, they sold that duct tape banana for one hundred twenty thousand um, dollars. But uh, it is uh, that's that's where my diploma could have been.
1: <laughs> and I'm really disappointed that it didn't end up there. But it is it kind of to me puts it in. a little better perspective because most people are used to hearing this random piece of abstract art going for this absurd amount of money. And then, so seeing all these student loan diplomas now setting the record for like highest value of art, uh, did in the article it talk about like how much like it averaged the, how many diplomas and like the average amount per diploma.
0: Uh, I'm sure it did. I'm scrolling through it right now to try to actually find that figure. I all I had was the like the final figure, which was uh, like I said, the 240 million. I want to say I saw something where it was like a hundred and some thousand
1: dollars per diploma, like calculated. Well, that
0: sounds about. I mean, I mean, I I don't think I would. Yeah, let's say 120 south thousand uh, dollars which I don't think is I mean anybody who has has college debt well no that's not unheard of not at all uh, there we go uh, $180,000 on average is the total value of the da Vinci of debt so I mean I guess what I'm saying is well done I can't believe these are words about to come out of my face but well done Natty Light <laughs> <laughs> cut that save that it's a wrap <laughs> and this was it's all beer uh that was this is the end of this podcast this is the natural ending where uh i don't feel like we could uh, talk about anything else that's it um (laughs) no again i can't stress this enough you uh uh, check out our instagram um check it out on snap uh it is truly amazing and um and i think you know they are they are raising money to help uh uh to help uh, uh, um, provide at least some uh, uh, relief to uh, to, to uh, people saddled with uh, college debt, so uh, take a look at that. And I don't know. Uh, next times uh, uh, the, they start talking about uh, forgiving college debt uh, uh, on the on the national stage, listen and I don't know. Vote accordingly. Yes, yeah, so- I concur. <laughs> and so does Declan Declan again Declan is 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 hanging out for the podcast chiming in every once in a while and uh, yeah as someone who's going to go probably going to go to college in about and bankrupt his father and (laughs) uh, yeah you're gonna need to get you're gonna need a big ass fucking loan (laughs) I work in craft beer I barely support myself (laughs) well so as Jeremy just said I'm a sucker for fun
1: beer promotions and do I have two for you? One
0: includes shitty domestic beer, and the other includes dogs. So <laughs> I was alluding to that. I was alluding to that. So you cannot what... resist a dog shitty beer story, can you, Tyler?
1: Hey, the dog is separate from the shitty beer this time. So we're going to start with the dog this time. Start with the dog. <laughs> there is a brewery out of... Huntington, or I'm assuming Huntington, New York. It just talked about a coastal town in Long Island. Uh, it's called Six Harbors <laughs> Brewing Company. Uh, they decided to have a couple extra helpers with their beer deliveries during the COVID-19 pandemic. Almost everyone who's ever had a dog has thought about how cool would it be to train them to fetch the beer for me. It's well, like, they kind That's why you buy a dog, right? I mean... I bought it so I could never drink by myself because I was always drinking with my dog, so... Okay. You're not an alcoholic if you don't drink by yourself. What do you have to tell yourself? <laughs> so, they used a couple... Their dogs, Buddy, who's three, and Barley, who's one, to help deliver some of the beer. Um, so, they were deemed essential business, so they were able to stay open for delivery and curbside. Um... And as they were out delivering beer to people in the community, they were like, well, the dogs are normally at the brewery with us. Uh, We're not going to just leave them here by themselves. And if you've ever had a dog, you know they love to go on car rides. So (laughs) they loaded up their brew dogs to go deliver the beer. Of course, the dogs had their head out the window. And people would just ooh and awe over the dogs so they decided to fashion little accents onto the dogs' necks um think the St. Bernard with a barrel of whiskey
0: that's always wanted I think that's a that was, I, it's brandy apparently uh
1: always wanted a St. Bernard till I found out they didn't come with the barrel of whiskey as a kid and then I was
0: like oh I don't care about the dog <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can just get a barrel of whiskey you don't have to attach it to an animal I thought it came with the animal, okay? Uh, but,
1: so they tied a four-pack of empty beer cans to the dog's collars so it looked similar. Underneath the neck, you'd see the empty four-pack of cans hanging on there, like the barrel, Uh, but that way they were empty, so they weren't going to strain the dog's neck or anything. Um, and with this here on the deliveries, the humans would wearing masks and gloves would carry the beer to the drop off point and then let the dogs out to go greet the customers, allow the customers to take some pictures with the brewery's new mascots.
0: That's And funny. then
1: go and pick up their beer from the designated drop spot. And then the dogs would go back to the brewery
0: vehicle and continue
1: on to the next drop.
0: That actually is a is, is amazingly like you know it's a way of adding cheer to a a a process that's become sort of soul crushing. I have to I mean the whole you know I mean delivery and pickup is necessary given the circumstances, but there's a a human element that is missing and it's being filled by ironically dogs.
1: Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen a sad dog? It's very rare. Every, no one I know when Bassett a Hound? Gold, uh, true when a golden retriever runs up to someone I've never seen someone look sad.
0: So I mean, a person sad around with dog no, but I mean basset hounds are famously uh, medically depressed.
1: Yes, but so apparently they have their own Instagram and they have more than five hundred followers so far on the Instagram. Uh, the customers are having a blast. Uh, being able to social distance, get some fun pictures with these cute dogs, and really just kind of get a sense of normalcy back. Um, the brewery is, according to the article, dog-friendly. So under normal circumstances, when you go into the brewery, you can bring your dog with you. They can mingle with the pups that you've been taking selfies with.
0: Sweet. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I that's, that that is a fucking adorable. All right, I'm on board. You can continue doing uh uh, uh uh stories about dogs. Well, now to the shitty beer. Now to shitty beer. You can't so do any more. You can't do any more <laughs> stories about shitty beer after this, though. So what's the worst part about living in a northern climate during winter? Um, I would have to say, um. Nothing. I actually quite like. I, I, I quite enjoy uh, uh, the the weather.
1: Well, for most people, it's having to shovel snow. It's a pain in the ass an inconvenience, and inconvenience. So I live.
0: All- why I live in the desert uh, in the northern Hem- where it gets cold, <laughs> but doesn't fucking snow in Idaho. Let me just make this very clear. Here in Boise, Jeremy, shut up. We have the good sense to keep our snow up in the mountains where it belongs. <laughs> Don't let everyone know. All right, it's horrible here. Do not come here. Well, so
1: let's fast forward to the other part of my favorite beer promotions. When it's done by a shitty beer. Uh, so, Bush
0: the the lowbrow portion of Anheuser-Busch. I mean, I mean the 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 uh uh the the redhead stepchild that even Natty Light doesn't want to talk to.
1: Well, they are running a promotion right now to help boost the spirits of everyone having to shovel their car out of the fucking snow before they head to work and hate their miserable life. Uh, <laughs> uh, so right now, they are offering a dollar off its beers for every inch of snow that falls in one of the 32 participating states and Washington, D.C. between now and March 28th. Their catchphrase is saying, the more
0: as the snow falls, so does the price of Bush beer. I mean, but famously only to a certain degree. Um, I I, want to go ahead and note that because while... I feel like it should be a crime to charge for something the quality of Bush beer. Um, they still insist on making some money for it. Yes. The largest discount they will run is up to $15. Um, and I'm also uh pre pleased slash ashamed to uh, 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 um, admit that it is actually available in Idaho, but each state now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I just glanced over the article. Each state is, represented by a certain city? Uh, I am not 100% sure. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Please, uh, wait for a second while Tyler pulls up the article. Those cheeky cunts. <laughs> would you <laughs> like to guess what city they picked for Idaho? Oh, shit. Well, I mean, um, I mean, if they had any fucking decency, they would pick Stanley. But I'm gonna get a, go ahead and guess... I'm going to go ahead and guess Boise. Yep. Instead of picking, you
1: know, like Coeur d'Alene, who a jeweler did this same promotion where it was, if they got a certain amount, you got a free diamond ring. Uh, Or
0: Sandpoint, where we're getting more snow, they pick Boise, Idaho. Where you'll get a dollar off your fucking bush light if you're fucking lucky.
1: Yep. So here's the current rankings. Des Moines, Iowa has one inch of current snowfall. Minneapolis, Minnesota, one inch of current snowfall. And those are the only places they are discounting beer right now. (laughs) It may be worth hoping for a little snow and keeping an eye on what comes down here in Boise. Uh, But if not, it's a fun little promotion to go, oh, that's creative.
0: It's adorable. It's adorable way (laughs) to... To uh, get your shitty beer for a little bit cheaper, but also, uh, for the love of God, drink good beer. Mm-hmm. Drink this Speaking Lagunitas of... I- I- IPNA. It's infinitely better.
1: Speaking of good beer, I just switched from the o- Lagunitas IPNA to Lagunitas Will- Willetized Coffee
0: Stout Aged in Rye Oak Barrels. So you're going to the opposite of what we were just drinking.
1: Yeah, I went from less than 0.5% alcohol to 13.1%.
0: And how is it?
1: Delicious as always.
0: what <laughs> is, is the of man my... in the sound of the middle of a beergasm right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite barrel-aged beers,
1: in part because of the price point. It has all the characteristics you want out of a barrel-aged beer, but you're getting it for like $2, $3 a 12-ounce bottle.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's, uh, that, that constantly amazes me. And you're right. It is, it is fantastic. And for the price, incredible. I mean, that's right up there with like, um, I mean, same price point as uh, like dragon's milk, which is, I mean, the only like, uh, like flagship barrel aged beer on the market. I think, I think so. I mean, that's kind of ballsy for like, what's your flagship beer barrel aged stout? fucking serious yep yep that's what we do always and forever get out of our fucking way
1: but it's a great introductory barrel aged out where it's a low risk option of everyone spent five dollars that on something they regretted so it's nothing to buy one bottle of beer for under five bucks and if you don't like it whatever
0: fair enough um, i've switched to uh, uh, nightmare brewing uh their uh, Colombian necktie I selected this one also because it was a uh, harken back to something we talked about oh a few uh, uh, earlier last year um where um uh nightmare Brewing, which is known for their like extremely um like uh, uh i don't know
1: graphic art yeah,
0: visceral uh, uh horrific can art i mean you know this is bloody horrible things to look at while you're drinking a beer well there was a bit of a fallout between them and their artists um i went over it in a couple episodes but uh this is the first of the new art i have seen and that's made it
1: out to boise i think so
0: yeah it's made it out here this is the first time i've actually seen it and um well, let me put it this way: the good news is, is we'll be able to find out whether nightmare brewing actually makes good beer, or if they were just skating on badass a uh, uh, can art. <laughs> it. This looks like something I would draw. If they they told me like, uh, can you draw something? Uh, I don't know. I can like sketch something. Uh, <laughs> it'll be on. From our, what
1: I had heard, they got rid of their artist. And then instead of trying to take the time and not be selling beer and find another artist, the owner's like, fuck it, I'll draw the art till we can find someone new.
0: That looks like exactly what happened. Um, But I'm pleased to say, so this is a a goza with uh, mango, lulos, sour soap, and Colombian lime zest. I know what two of those four things are, by the way.
1: Colombian lime zest
0: (laughs) and mango yep um it's nice it's it's nicely tart nicely balanced fruity highly complex so i'm yeah would get again um it's a it still has all the characteristics of a goza like that nice really clean refreshing sourness but it's got quite a bit going on in there so um, they are indeed more than their uh, just their badass artwork. Also, find an artist. Find an artist. Yes.
1: I think they will take a little hit in sales with it being drawn like a five-year-old, but I don't think it'll completely ruin the company. I doubt it. So. Well, Jeremy, what we got next?
0: Let's predict the future news now. Um
1: Oh, cause we were so good with our Deadpool. This is gonna be great. <laughs> you
0: know, we're just gonna go ahead and let that Deadpool ride for twenty twenty one. Just, I feel like twenty twenty was a give me all around. We'll uh, <laughs> just keep on going, and we'll see if if anybody comes out on top. Basically, if no one, we'll just keep this thing going until uh, someone comes out the clear winner. Um, <laughs> no, it is that time of year when beer bloggers and uh, and arts entertainment writers try to sober up just enough to gaze into the foam in their beer and try to predict what's in store for the industry in the coming year. Um, I did a quick survey of a bunch of different sources, including the Brewers Association, uh, BevSource, and Mercury News. And, well, here are some of my takeaways. First, I know you're worried we wouldn't talk about COVID, but let's talk about COVID. Uh, Oh! (laughs) There is a vaccine being administered as we speak, but it will be a while before the majority of the population will have access to it. Um, in the meantime, this winter is is, is fucking dog shit. It's, it's, it's threatening to, be absol- to absolutely decimate restaurants and bars. Um, and of course, b- people have been predicting doom and gloom, um, especially for breweries, all last year. Um, and it kind of makes sense. But, here's a little bright spot. According to the B.A., they, uh, we're looking at about 300 breweries shutting their doors for good in 2020, which is okay. actually about the same as shut their doors in 2019.
1: All right. So not a ton of difference.
0: So, I mean, and we were already going into 2020 expecting a larger than average amount of closings just due to uh, a glut in in uh, supply. The market. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that they do admit that they haven't gotten all the numbers in yet, but it looks like that it's not going to be that far off from 2019. Um, And also, um, 700 breweries opened last year. So despite COVID, there are actually more breweries operating today than there were this time last year. Damn! Who would have predicted that? So... While it's going to be a tough winter ahead, and I feel like we're going to, and I feel like we're still going to see the worst of it. I feel like you can kind of get a sense that we're in. I mean, it, it, even as you see the light at the end of the tunnel, there are places that are just simply running out of money. You know, they try to keeping it going, but the you know the they're, the the end is in sight. But they can't they can't make it. Um, yep. But I, the situation is not nearly as dire as anybody in the industry previously thought. No, also,
1: I think if a lot of places can make it to March,
0: it'll start getting better and one of the assumptions that was driving this fear was the idea that um that people were going to forego like their regular craft beer in you know in Uh, in pursuit of like a 30 rack of Coors Light because they don't need their craft beer anymore. They just need something to drown their sorrows because life is shit. Or a bottle
1: of liquor or...
0: uh, Correct, but it looked like the opposite was true. Again, this comes from the BA. The largest growth last year was what they call the quote, above premium, which actually includes craft beer and imports. Now, I'm not exactly sure where their scale is because they have like you know domestic premium, uh, and then above premium, which is all good beer. So even premium beer is shit. But um, well, and there's super premium. Uh, there's also super premium, which is. I
1: was gonna say I've always understood like above premium as like your Coors Original, your Budweiser,
0: uh,
1: or like your Stella Artois.
0: But I mean, basically, what you well, all you have to know is that premium super premium yeah craft beer is beyond that and it was the biggest growth last year damn so every so a lot of the predictions turned out to i mean it kind of harkened back to what i remember back in 2008 2009 i think you were five at the time um but uh, <laughs> Fuck you. but uh a lot of economists were uh perplexed by the fact that craft beer not only survived, but thrived in its infancy at that time. And the reason was because craft beer is such a, uh, an affordable luxury when so many mm-hmm. things else are being taken away trips, um, you know, uh, restaurants, everything, you know, uh, you know, things that you would want to spend money on craft beer is accessible and it's not terribly expensive uh, you know, relatively speaking, your best bottles of craft beer run like what? 20, 30 bucks a bottle at the most. That's like, that's top, top tier. It's affordable luxury. You can spring for a six pack of really nice beer. So,
1: and I just pulled up the Nielsen, Nielsen, uh, the big, like marketing insight group yeah. and consumer insight group. Um, I just Googled a, a premium beer, um, and Nielsen includes craft in the above premium, so you were correct.
0: Yep. So, don't ever question me. <laughs> so, I mean, and and, and so, uh, what's the takeaway for 2021? Well, I mean, the answer is for all the doom and gloom that's been on the horizon, it's probably not as bad. Of course, we're going to still see the same trends. You know, a lot of outside events, a lot of delivery, a lot of th- you know, all the things we've been dealing with to try to get beer out to the public while maintaining safety for both the staff and the public that's going to continue. Um, But it seems to be working. Craft beer is going to survive. Fuck y'all. We're going to continue drinking. So let's talk styles.
1: Uh, I would also say we see a growth in craft beer still. It may not be what it would have, but we'll see more opens than we do closures and a slight growth in the market share.
0: Absolutely. So I mean, that's I mean, that's that was really heartening to me. I mean, that was that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of predictions about what styles and what have you are going to be on the horizon. Um, and here's like what, what I took away from the from uh, um, from these. Uh, number one. Heart culture local cow. Here's Europe here. Well, you picked... You you got two out of three. Okay, so since you went ahead and jumped the gun, my number two, yeah, is seltzer is growing. But actually, me personally, I'm still skeptical of this trend. Now, see, most of the articles noted a rise in craft seltzer and are predicting more and more breweries are going to break down and finally brew a sparkling batch of sadness or whatever Mm -hmm. they're doing there. Um, But... I don't know, Tyler. You have some actually you have some insight here, don't you? Because you work for a brewery, they have done craft seltzer. What have you seen in this market?
1: Variety pack is king. Okay. And it sells a lot better than you think it will.
0: Well, okay. So here's so okay right, Let me start. With, here's my thing, and you can tell me why my thinking is flawed. Um, people who like seltzer largely like White Claw, okay? Hard Seltzer might have a place in the tap room, um, but... And that's... I think that's where we see growth, but it's not gonna be... It's not gonna be the draw, all right? People aren't going to go to the brewery for the craft seltzer, right? It's, It's gonna be the thing that's on draft to appease that fucking friend in every group who would... Otherwise, bitch, the entire time they're at that brewery, I mean, you know, you're, like, fucking there, Julian, there. Have your fucking hard seltzer now. Shut the fuck up while the rest of us hit an IPA and try to remember why the fuck you, we let you hang out with us, you human mosquito you. I may have just slipped in something autobiographical, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, <laughs> my, point couple... is, my point is, is that, I mean, people who like seltzer like White Claw, um... As a tap room feature, it's useful. Why am I wrong about that? So, you are partly correct. Okay.
1: There are those White Claw loyalists. It is also the same reason you walk into that random dive bar and you have that old timer that sits there all day and only drinks Coors Light or Bud Light. If you're out of, let's say they only drink Coors Light and you're out of Coors Light, they will not drink Bud Light. So right. you have those people. Uh, a lot of craft seltzers are just package. so no draft. So you're not seeing the draft because you don't want to tie up the line on that. But where hard seltzer becomes beneficial for the brewery is you package it, you get it onto store shelves, and it pulls in a customer that may not have normally really tried one of your products because what at least i've noticed is there are customers that are like oh you know i really like this hard seltzer thing i wonder if there's a local option instead of white claw or truly and it gets them into that category kind of like chorus or bug light got a lot of people into the beer category
0: okay fair enough um but i don't know i mean and maybe it's where I was working at the time. I just didn't see. I mean, White Claw had a particular hold on people. When I was working at a grocery store, this was back in 2017, 2018, right? I mean, right when people started realizing, holy shit, this seltzer thing is going to be a thing. Um, and White
1: Claw still does and still will. But it, White Claw has so much of the industry but there's still room to grab other parts of the market. And so that's why you will see all these craft seltzers coming out is to try to grab some of that market. They know they're not going to grab a big market share, but if you're grabbing a couple crumbs of that pie, still a lot of money.
0: Um... All right. Fair enough. So, I mean, so the, the other thing we've already alluded to several times um, is um, low alcohol, non-alcoholic craft beer. Um, We've talked about that already. So we'll just, I'm just going to glaze over this. Um, You know, we're already seeing breweries, uh, you know, Lagunitas, uh, Deschutes is uh, planning to come out with a low alcohol 2% IPA uh, coming up soon. Um, My, Big question as far as this trend I don't think it surprised anybody Other than it's kind of Interesting that This is where craft beer has ended up I think 10 years Ago you would never have You would have been rather saddened To know that this is where craft <laughs> beer ends ends Up but it is where it's going And so um, but here's Here's what I here's what I think um, It might go the way of Session IPAs where People get hopeful that you can recreate, you know, all the feeling, body satisfaction of a actual beer um, in a low, low alcohol or no alcohol option, and they may get disappointed when they don't get quite the the uh, uh, the result they're looking for. Especially when, you know, Lagunitas notwithstanding, I have this distinct feeling that most of them are going to be kind of shit. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I feel like striking this balance is going to be really fucking hard. Like session IPAs, session IPAs are really tough to get right, and I just don't see a lot of breweries who are piling in on this um, this bandwagon getting it correct. Yeah, um, I'm
1: right. I'm right there with you. So,
0: um, ironically, the thing that was first on my list so which is now last. Um, every rider and I don't, I don't understand why we have to keep talking about this, but here we go. Sigh, Hazy's are not going away. I honestly don't know why every beer writer looks at Hazy's IPA and say, I guess this is still a thing. I guess, damn it. I guess, well, it's, it's a thing now. Um, part of it, I think Hazy IPAs are the style that beer geeks and especially uh, brewers and people in the industry love to hate. And I understand. 100%. I understand their trepidation. Trust me I know they are sweet, fruity, and they all taste vaguely the same. And every year Brewers hope against hope that the next batch of hazy will sit in the tanks for so long that they can all collectively shriek, I told you so, at the top of their fucking lungs. Unveiled- and send down the drain. <laughs> say unveil the great big hazy IPAs or a fad banner that they packed up in the ceiling back in twenty fifteen and laugh maniacally as they cry and go back to brewing IPAs at a thousand IBUs. <laughs> They're not going away. People love them. They are now a style. And when you get right down to it, why shouldn't they be? Uh, brewers claim that they, I mean, a lot—a big thing, and by the way, I'm guilty of this. My biggest complaint about hazy IPAs is that they all taste vaguely the same. But when you think about it, how different is, like, for example, a Hellas lager one different from the other? Your classic styles are all pretty much vaguely identical with... You know, but you album. don't
1: have breweries making seven hellish lagers and releasing <laughs> all the fucking time!
0: Not yet. In my world, you do.
1: <laughs> I could get behind that more! <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're not going away. Um, but... And I wasn't going to
1: say they were, but... I am still just hopeful for the day where it gets to the point where like breweries have like one, maybe two hazy IPAs and that's it.
0: I mean, any brewery that has more than one is is probably excessive. And, you know, revision, I'm looking in your direction. Um, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, there was a time when a brewery had maybe one IPA on draft. How many IPAs do most of them have now? I mean, they have their house. If you IPAs. take out
1: hazy IPAs, it's usually about one now.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't take out the hazy IPAs, you include the hazy IPAs, in which case you have five. <laughs> That's my point. I mean, they're the. People love them. People love the variety. Even they do taste vaguely the same. Now, shut up and brew me a hazy, Tank Monkey. On a side note, if I ever get a job as a brewer, I absolutely request, nay demand, that Tank Monkey be my official title. I want it on a business (laughs) card. Um, (laughs) Tank Monkey. Jeremy Jones. (laughs) There you go. Predictions for 2020. Uh, Hazies aren't going away. Seltzers are going to grow. And we're all going to be non-alcoholics non-alcoholic
1: tank monkeys
0: non-alcoholic tank monkeys <laughs> alright uh. <laughs> one last thing before we uh, uh, tow this uh, uh, the, this episode home um, that thing we do where we pretend that Sam Adams is really craft beer news now For years, Sam Adams has been on the cutting edge of craft beer, specifically so fucking big that the Brewers Association has to continually move the line of the edge, dividing where craft beer is from, you know, fucking Budweiser. All right, sharpen those pencils. It might be time to draw a new line. This comes from the Motley Fool, which actually surprises me, because usually the fool is an apt term, uh, or a name I should say, for an investor news uh, it's investor news for those who want to invest in the stock market but don't want to make money. <laughs> L- Listen, I'm as they're idiots, so I'm taking this with a certain amount of skepticism. Uh, but I couldn't find another source for this uh, story, and so it's interesting enough. I kind of want to just go with it, and so let's just let's just keep this with a certain grain of salt, shall we? Um, according to the Fool. Uh, Boston Beer Company will release their fourth quarter earnings in February, and they anticipate they will once again cross that defining line that separates craft beer from regular domestics. Now, let's recap. Um, What does uh, one have to be to wear the official craft seal on your bottle-slash-six-pack? You have to have three things. Number one, brew six million barrels or less. Um. 25% 25% or less can be owned by a non-craft beer entity and you must make beer um, and that last one is actually interesting because the most recent change um, in 2018 was about this last sentence okay were Pre- they added hard seltzer? No. Previously, there was a set percentage of amount of beer that the company had to brew to be considered a craft beer company. And it had to be over 50% or something. There was – you had to – the majority of what you brewed had to be beer for you to be craft but beer. Go that cider. would have
1: disqualified Boston, Boston Beer, beer company.
0: company. who started making a whole lot more cider and seltzer than they were making beer. Um, and so – they amended the rules to say, well, you just have to make some beer. You have to make some beer, and then you can, you know, have the uh, the independent craft seal. So actually, that's good news. If you own a bank and for some reason you want to get in on this, all you got to do is like set up a little one barrel system on your, you know, in the back of your branch and start slinging pints in the teller line, and you can put the official BA symbol on your bottles, even if like one percent of your business is actually from beer. From beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress, okay <laughs> for the first Mo- for the f- one question, sure, if Boston beer
1: loses their designation, will dogfish head also lose their designation
0: um you know what that's a that would be an interesting philosophical debate um but here's the thing: it ain't gonna happen, so
1: I was just gonna say especially since Boston Beer and Dogfish Head are tied, they will move that line again to make sure those two companies stay with the fucking seal on it.
0: Well, and also, by the way, it's the acquisition of uh, uh, Dogfish Head that probably has them moving. Now they are, for the first time since 2018, producing more beer than anything else. Any other one, Any? Uh, the more, more than 50% of their production is um, beer. Bullshit. Bullshit. Um, Bullshit. 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 <laughs> truly. 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 I'm, again, according to the motley fool. Take it for what it's worth, which might be zero. Um, but here's the thing that moves them over the six million barrel mark. Now, to be clear, the six million barrels is total production. That means cider, seltzer, whatever hell brew they're making over there. But therein lies an obvious loophole that the B.A. could come in and just say, oh, no, 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 we meant six million barrels of beer. Mm -hmm. So it ends up being nothing, Burger. But I feel like we once again have to talk about this, because yes, uh, Greg Koch is a huge advocate for the industry. I also feel he's probably a bit of a piece of shit given he was friends with Ken Lay and a lot of his money came from fucking Enron. Look it up. Um... Yeah, but, <laughs> It was ages ago I know, why do I keep on going on about this But here's my question um, The BA will never ever cut Boston Beer Company loose All right. Um, that's why uh, When you say, would, be, would Dogfish Head Lose their distinction, it's an interesting Philosophical question, might as well ask What happens if gravity just stopped Not going to happen <laughs> They're not going to do it, but should they Should at some point in time the BA say Nope, you are no longer craft beer
1: and honestly, I could I could have seen the BA pulling the trigger now if Barish Head wasn't looped in.
0: You think that's going to keep him in the loop? I mean, I think so. I mean, I, again, I there's no. This is not the first time that they've moved the line specifically for. Uh, um, Sam Adams, in fact, they famously moved the line along with Sam Adams until Yingling got involved and they moved the line past Yingling, but now Sam Adams is back and we're just moving the line along with Sam Adams. But, I mean, it, it does it does create a level of cognitive dissonance among the public where they say, well, wait a minute, how big does this company have to get before you just say they ain't craft beer anymore? Yep. Yep. And are we at that point?
1: I think they keep moving it till 10 million barrels.
0: Because that's a nice round number. You think 10 million is the line, huh? And that's where they draw the line. I don't think so. Because, I I mean, they are so dependent on the money from Sam Adams. 10 million barrels of beer. Right. But there's but the ba is so dependent on sam adams because let's let's not forget um you know the bigger brewery you are the more money you pay in dues to the Brewers Mm -hmm. association you know ergo sam adams is by far the biggest contributor um
1: yeah but i don't see sam adams hitting that 10 million barrels of beer not counting your hard seltzer your hard cider your twisted tea if they're the ones who make twisted tea,
0: they are the ones who make twisted tea
1: uh, so you take all those out and ain't no way they're close to ten million barrels of just beer.
0: Well that'd be they there I mean not yet, but you're right it, that'd be a hell of a thing to get to, but it's not inconceivable they hit that someday, especially but if they it
1: puts it off down the road and at that point it's harder to argue they're still small
0: I mean I would I mean it's hard to argue that six million barrels are still small but but it, it's it's easier to digest <laughs> and that's what's important as long as you can pass it without screaming that's the <laughs> that's where we're at <laughs>
1: Welcome to America Jeremy
0: Oh I want to move to New Zealand anyway uh, Tyler you have anything to add tonight? Yes, uh,
1: fun little fact The IRI data for last year Came in on hard seltzer And White Claw doubled their sales From 2019 From 1.1 billion To 2.2 billion dollars Tracked in just
0: Independent retailer Data Y'all spent the entire quarantine Stuffing your faces full of Cheetos and White Claw, didn't you? Didn't you? So Don't lie to me i'm looking i'm looking at you through your car radio right now you sat there drinking white claw admit it admit it so on that little tidbit that's all i have (laughs) um all right i'm also done just randomly shaming people in their car uh this has been it's all beer um as always uh if you want to uh get a hold of us send us stories send us comments Admonish modish us for a, 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 a yelling at you through your car radio uh, you can get a hold of us uh, we're at it's all beer at gmail.com um, our stories uh, the things we find to uh, to do this podcast I put those up on on Twitter um, you can find us at it's all beer one you can also get a hold of us there we have Instagram we have Facebook we have all the things I put pictures up uh, find us on our it's a uh, at it's all beer. And, uh, you know what? I think you can leave us a rating there, you can leave us a rating on iTunes, probably uh, Stitcher, not Spotify, but fuck them. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, and a good many of you do, I understand. It's, you know, not a completely shitty platform. It is a completely shitty platform podcast, but, you know, not my preference. Um, anyway, that will, I think that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna have a beer. He's gonna drink non-alcoholic. Always, It's my journey, dirty, journey, dirty